This episode of the Duke Basketball Report podcast is brought to you by the boys of Bird Campbell, PA. Bird Campbell means business. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 112 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Thursday evening, March 15th, 2018, approximately 9 p.m. Eastern time. The NCAA tournament is ongoing, um, but Duke has completed their first round matchup. So we're here to break it down, talk to you about it, and get you ready for the second round. I am your host for this episode, Sam Klein, coming to you from Denver, Colorado. I am joined, as always, by my two co-hosts in Washington, D.C., Donald Wine. Yo, what's going on? One down, five to go. That's right, my friend. And in Atlanta, Georgia, Jason Evans. Jason, good evening. Good evening to you, sir. A very good day thus far for the Blue Devils. Yeah, so let's get right to it. Uh, Duke's opening round game was uh, this afternoon. They beat the Iona Gales 89-67. to It wasn't much of a game after about the first 10 minutes, so we're going to talk about that real quick and give our impressions of this team and, in particular, all the freshmen um, and, their, and their first exposure to the NCAA tournament. So I'll go to Donald first. Donald, give me some takeaways from this, this first-round game against Iona this afternoon. Well, I'm going to talk about one thing, and and the first thing is we hit our threes. We hit 13 of them, to be exact, nine of them in the first half. And, you know, we started out on that hot streak to start the game. It it was with a few three-pointers. It really opened the floor up. Our shooting was great today, and and that's what allowed us to really separate from the Gales late in the first half and not look back. With our shooting, and it opens up the floor for our inside game to work, and – it allowed everybody to feel comfortable. I, I, I felt like watching the game in the second half, it wasn't where we were, you know, worried about a comeback. It, it, the shooting was there. The, the rebounding was there. The inside presence was there. And, but because we hit our threes, we, because we hit so many of them, but because we were hitting our outside jumpers, it gave our guards a lot of confidence. And I think that is what spurred the rest of the team really proud of our success today. And, and I think that is a, a really good start for the tournament. Jason, what did you see from Duke? I think specifically on defense today that um, that kind of gave you some hope going forward about this team. I'm I'm really glad that you tossed to me with defense because that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, Duke is getting better and better at this at this zone that they play, and we're using our length more and more and more. And it's not about getting lots of steals. It's not even about forcing lots of turnovers. Uh, what I, because we only had five, uh, was it five steals? Yeah, we only had five steals. We only forced 10 turnovers. Ordinarily, you would look at those numbers and say, that's not a great defensive effort. Uh, Iona scored 67 points against Duke. Um, th- this is a team that averages close to 80 points a game. And and there they are down at 67. That They knew 67 points is not enough to beat the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, unless that's maybe if you're maybe- points, that's That's 67 points playing at, at a normal, like pretty fast tempo for Duke and I think also for Iona, right? Yes, I, Iona is a team that, that likes to play reasonably fast. They put up a lot of three-pointers. They're ordinarily, you know, as I said in the preview about them, they're ordinarily a team that scores a pretty good bit. And the Duke defense, 
there, there were a number of times, especially in the second half, where I thought, did you guys think this as well? Iona just looked confused. They looked like they had no, you know, the ball was moving around a little bit, but they weren't sure where they were moving it. They got very, very, they shot five of 24 from three, five of 24, 20% from three. And that wasn't because they were taking open three pointers. It's because we were in their face. We were contesting everything. And I, I you know, the announcers kept talking about Duke's length. And I think, I think it really showed in this game. Um, our length, our athleticism in the zone, our ability to, you know, look, when these guys spread out, when Trevon Duvall spreads his arms out, when Marvin Bagley spreads his arms out, and several of the other guys in this team, what, you know, they probably look like they're taking up two spots on the floor because um, they are so long. And uh, we've gotten so good at this zone. I, I'm not sure. There are not going to be many teams, I don't think. They're going to be able to get to 70, 75 points or so. And it's hard to imagine a team beating Duke scoring less than 70 points. So I, th yeah. I thought the defense was the story of the game. Look, we scored 89. 89 is a big number. But to me, the defense was the story of the game. I, I agree with you about that. The point you made that the Gales looked kind of lost in the second half, I think that was, you know, for the first 10 minutes of the game, they <clears throat> were kind of hitting a lot of shots just like unconscious, right? They, they were shooting over Duke. Um, they were getting the ball inside, and then all of a sudden, it was like it was like the lights came on, and they realized where they were and who they were playing against, and everything just kind of locked up for them. I, as I was watching the game, there was one possession. I don't remember exactly how it ended, but it was one of the possessions where the zone was clearly frustrating Iona, and I thought to myself as I was watching it that that the well-executed zone defense kind of looks, and you guys tell me what you think about this. A well-executed zone defense kind of looks like a really hard pinball game where you're trying to like hit the pinball into one very specific place, like at the top of the game. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about, where it's like this is the mission you're on. Yeah, you have to hit yeah. it here, and yeah, and you just can't get because because there's all kinds of stuff in the way, and you have to like bank it off of like multiple walls and stuff. That kind of felt like watching Iona try to break down Duke's zone, especially in the second half where they're like, they're trying to get the ball inside. But as you said, Jason, Duke's length is just frustrating everything. And even in moments where they you know that they're doing that, that weave of the ball around the perimeter, trying to get something inside, they might, they might break through one Duke defender, but then all of a sudden another one appears and it's like, it's, it's, it's like they can't move anywhere. Um, and they tried to make passes, and Duke was deflecting passes all over the place. Even if Iona was getting the ball back after the deflections, it kind of disrupts all that offensive flow, and, and you sort of have to start over. And I was really impressed with the way the defense played. Now, that being said, Iona is not you know, the, the longest, tallest team that we're going to face in the tournament. There's, there's lots of other good teams, hopefully, down the road that Duke is going to face. But it did feel reassuring that you know, especially we know from from recent years, Duke can get into these first round games, these second round games where teams are really excited to play them and and they can make it a dogfight for 40 minutes. And Duke did, just did not let that happen. Um, I obviously it was it was relatively close for about the first 10 minutes. And then, like I said, it was like it was like the lights came on and 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 Iona just had no idea what was going on anymore. So I was really impressed with that. Um Duval hitting four three-pointers is not something I think we can expect to see um, in every game in this tournament, but um, but that was obviously really great. The rest of the team shot really well, and it's always a good sign, of course, when 
Justin Robinson and Antonio Vrankovich each book two minutes in the game. And Justin Robinson had one of the highlights with uh, with that big dunk towards the end. So that was really great. Um, I, I, you, know. I, you know, I'll say, I'll, let, let me say one thing about the offense really quick. Um, well, look, I'm, I'm glad that we were hitting our shots. We had 53, almost 54% of our shots from the field. We hit close to 45% of our three-pointers. That's great. But there's a piece of me, and tell me if you guys feel differently. I almost wish we hadn't wasted it on this game. Um, I think we could have beaten Iona without being quite so hot. And look, the reality is teams don't stay hot typically. You know, usually they're up and down a little bit. And uh, Trevon Duvall is not going to go four for five from three, um, you know, in many of Duke's games. Um, he hasn't done that at all this year. And and I kind of wish we'd saved a little bit of of our success in this game for future games when I think we may need a little better outside shooting. Um, uh, you know, I mean, we didn't need 89 points to win this game. <laughs> I think the counter to that is that you you need to play as well as you can in every NCAA tournament game because if you don't, that's the end of your season. And um, really, this we, is about this is about confidence. You know, for you know four or five guys on this team, major major parts of this team, it was their first NCAA tournament game, and we. I normally Jason, there's some, there's some merit in saying, Hey, I wish we didn't hit 13 threes against Iona. I wish it saved that for like the elite eight or the final four or something like that. But when you have confidence to build and, and this was a good confidence building game, you take it. And, and I think that's what these guys did. That, that's what's going to help us on Saturday. Hopefully. I, Donald, I, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Was there anything um, from this game that you thought Duke could have done better or, was this kind of the blueprint for Duke as far as how well they can play in, in a tournament game against another really good opponent? Well, here's the cool thing about this team. The answer is, I don't know what they can do better, but at the same time, I'm, I'm going to go back to the defense for a minute. The cool thing about this defense is Iona probably took a long look at our defense and in the last you know three weeks of basketball that we've played. And the consensus they probably came up with is, we have no idea what defense to expect. And the reason why is because it seems like this defense is constantly evolving. And that is our ally because no team can really look at tape of us and think that that's the team that they're going to see on any given day. Our, our defense is growing. Our defense is getting better. Our defense is changing. And I, I think what's the, the cool thing about it is that, you know, today in the second half, for example, the guys were really forcing terrible three-point shots and they they only hit one out of 15 on you know other games we're very aggressive and pressuring the ball in in the backcourt sometimes we're, we let the you know we do the bend don't break uh philosophy with this zone and, and what the cool thing about this zone is and why it's really important to watch every game for what it is is that this zone will change on saturday it may not be very apparent but there's going to be some nuance of it that the team does against uh rhode island that is going to be different and did, did, hey, by, by the way for did, that with a two-day notice did did you notice that um so uh, duke has thus far when they when they go into a, a press it's like a three-quarter court press mm -hmm. um and it's really about slowing teams down more than getting turnovers although we sometimes get turnovers out of them um did you notice today like off the opening basket we went into a full court press 
and we trapped them and we came darn close. Ball goes r- barely off Gary Trent's fingernails. Um, we came darn close to getting a steal uh, off of off of that. Uh, now we didn't pull it out again throughout the rest of the game, I think. But I loved. I was like, oh wait, what the heck is this? Duke is doing a full court press on the very opening play. I you know I wonder if you're if you're Rhode Island. Um, and you're you're looking at at this game, you know, because they'd already won their game. Are they going? Whoa, wait, what what is this? We haven't seen this before. We're not prepared for this yet. Yes, yeah, so yeah, totally I agree with you. Just, I think it's it was just a show to to be like, hey, make sure you think about this in we, addition to all of we the could other do this. stuff you have yeah. to prepare mm-hmm. for. And they've done that in the past before. They've done it in in a couple of games where you know Duval and and Trent were very aggressive from guys as soon as they get the ball, they're pressing them all the way up the court kind of like you know what West Virginia does in, in kind of the 40 minutes of hell kind of offense or, or kind of defense that Arkansas used to do back in the day. But today they kind of showed it and then pulled back. And it's always it's, it's like a mind game because, again, like you said, Rhode Island was in the stands and they're watching and they're probably like, uh, what is this defense? Because this is not the defense that we've seen game tape on. This is not the defense that we've seen. It looks similar, but – Something about it is always different, and I think that is what's throwing teams off. It's brilliant kind of strategy because with a two-day rest between games and in all these games where you're just coming back, you know, back to back to back, teams aren't going to be able to adjust to that quickly. That's where you have an edge. And I love watching that that pressure defense because teams that have executed that well against us in the past are so frustrating. You know, remember like that Louisville team that that you know quote unquote won the NCAA tournament a few years mm-hmm. ago with, with Peyton Siva. They vacated. were able to vacated. do that, that. Right. They were able to to play that pressure defense. The other one that I remember specifically against Duke was that that awful uh Clemson game from two thousand nine where they beat us by like thirty points in Little John and every possession it felt like Duke was trying to bring the ball up the court and couldn't help but turn it over. And I know how much I hate watching other teams play that defense well, which just makes me happier when I see Duke executed. And, and honestly, I'm not sure that Duke teams of the past 10, 20 years have had the dudes to execute a defense like that because it is not something you can do if you are even, even slightly above average athletically. Um, Jason, I want to throw it to you um, to finish up our discussion here of the Iona game. And then let's get ahead and preview the Rhode Island game that's coming up on Saturday. So uh, the, the conclusion of, of my thoughts on the Iona game are two things I want to highlight. One about the bigs and one about the littles. Um, regarding our, our big men, we, we, we won the rebounding battle by 10. We out offensive rebounded them 14 to 10 and we out regular rebounded them 39 to 29. Um, look, when, when you, when you get 10 more rebounds when, than the other team, when you get four more offensive rebounds, when you're um, hitting your shots inside the way we were, it's, it's just, it's demoralizing for the opposition, you know, Bagley and Carter and Bolden as well got so many easy baskets in this game um, that, if you're Iona, you're just like, oh, you know, how do we catch up with these guys? How do we keep up with these guys when, yeah, they're hitting their threes, but the real problem is they're getting the ball inside and scoring at will. And as we get to our Rhode Island preview in a couple moments, we're going to talk about that. I don't know how Rhode Island has a prayer of stopping our big men. But that said, the other thing I wanted to mention is the reason we got those good shots was I thought we passed the ball exceptionally well today. Do you guys, Grayson Allen and Trevon Duvall, 
combined for 17 assists. Allen had nine. Duvall had eight. 17 assists between those two guys. I, you know, I haven't had time to go back and look through the history books, but for Duke to have two guys getting eight plus assists in a, in a game, that's just crazy. And, and Allen had nine assists and only one turnover. Duvall had eight assists, four turnovers. Not great, but eight assists, four turnovers. I'll take a two to one ratio. Um, we didn't turn the ball over. You know, our backcourt guys especially did not turn the ball over and they passed the ball exceptionally well, leading to baskets. 17 assists from our two primary ball handlers, only five turnovers. When that kind of thing happens, Duke wins. Period. End of story. End of discussion. I want to move on and talk about the Rhode Island Rams. So they were in the very first game this morning. For me, it was morning. I guess for you guys, it was just the early afternoon. But uh, Rhode Island uh, won an overtime game, a really fun game against Trey Young's Oklahoma squad. It was 83 to 78 at the buzzer. Um, And so they move on to play Duke on Saturday. We don't have the game time as of right now. Um, But I wanted to send it right back to you, Jason. Give us kind of what you saw from the Rhode Island game, because I'm sure that you guys, as well as I, and and hopefully a lot of other Duke fans out there were watching that game in anticipation of of winning today. Uh, What did you see from Danny Hurley's team that is interesting to you or that you think Duke needs to watch out for um, for that that second round matchup? Well, I mean, the biggest thing is I I alluded to it a moment ago. I, I, I don't know how. Rhode Island has the the players to to keep up with Duke's big men. Uh, I I just don't. Uh, I I get that Rhode Island has has really good um, guards and they play four guards around one big man. Um, but I I can't figure out how Rhode Island has the size. I don't I don't know who on Rhode Island is going to guard Marvin Bagley. I just don't. I, I, I have no idea how they're going to do it. I, I I think that you know if 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 I'm Danny Hurley, the the head coach of Rhode Island, I'm I'm looking at this game and I'm just I'm I'm befuddled about you know what kind of chance I'm going to have to 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 keep up with Duke, Oklahoma, you know Oklahoma beat them pretty soundly on the boards, and that that's a you know that's going to be even worse when you're playing Duke. Oklahoma that, got 54 that, rebounds. Yeah, that that's a middling Oklahoma rebounding team. You know, Oklahoma's yeah. strength is, is in the shooting, is in Trey Young, is not in, yeah. in their ability to attack the glass. Oklahoma had 54 rebounds in this game, and Rhode Island had 41. So they got out-rebounded by 43. I'm sorry, by, by 13. I, I, my math was bad there. They got out-rebounded by 13. Um, and and like you say, this is not a this is not a great um, rebounding team, these Oklahoma Sooners. I shudder to think what Duke is going to do to them on the boards. Um, yeah, Duke is, Duke is fifth in total rebound percentage uh, in all of Division One. Rhode Island is 177th. So um, yeah. I, I think you've I think you've nailed the the key for Duke here is that Rhode Island's leading rebounder I think is only is not even grabbing like six rebounds a game. So um, yeah, Duke on the glass is going to be is going to be key here. However. Um, Donald, but but tell Rhode, me, Island, Rhode yeah, Island's yeah. gonna Rhode Island is gonna shoot from the perimeter and yeah. they're gonna try and speed up the game. That that's gonna be their game plan. Donald, I was gonna say, tell me about uh, about Fats Russell. <laughs> Look, 
I, what a great game. He had a great game today. Like, look, dude is my height. He's he is uh probably a hundred pounds less than I am. Uh, I was gonna say look, he's he, he's my weight. Yeah, so. yeah. My height, your weight, uh, and had a great game. Great defense down the stretch, kept 15 points. He normally averages what six points a game. Uh, but really he was the man down the stretch for the Rams in the second half and overtime. EC Matthews, I thought, had a good game as well. He had 16 points, five boards. And they have experienced players who are used to winning. They they mentioned a lot that they have a group of seniors that have won 91 games in their careers, and that's a school record. But the one thing that I'm going to talk about is what we won't expect. I do not expect Fats Russell to have another one shining moment type of game. It just statistically in this in in this in this tournament does not happen. I also don't so expect us to hit. So- you're saying that he's going to show up in the one shining moment montage, but it's only going to be highlights from the Oklahoma game. Uh, that's that. That's my plan. I hope. Let, let's 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 hope. But uh, no, I, I think really honestly, like there's a lot of things that you know both Rhode Island did and that Duke did that I don't expect to see on Saturday. But what I think is going to happen, and I think uh, I think Jason is right here. We need to exploit our height and our length. They don't have big guys. And if we can establish that, that's going to help everything else. We know that we can, you know, if we, you know, the, the easy answers, limit turnovers, grab rebounds, be smart with the basketball. Those are obvious things on defense, limit transition points. Cause they got a lot of uh, three pointers and, and really just great, uh, great points on transition. Continuing to be active on the outside with this defense is going to be the key. Because if we can stop their their perimeter shooters, then you know their inside game. I, I think we we have the edge there. So we can't expect what we did today. We can't expect what Rhode Island to, did today. But at the end of the day, we can control our size. We can control how we exploit that. And if we do that, we're in good shape. You know the thing about Fats Russell is he ha- he had a great game, but this is not a kid who usually. I mean, he doesn't play a, a huge, huge role for them in, in most games. Against Davidson in the in the championship game of their tournament just a few days ago, he only had one point and he only played 11 minutes. Um, uh, I mean, he's had other good games early in the year. They played, you know, a couple Ivy League teams. Um, they played Brown and who was the other one? They played Brown and and, um, and Providence. And he had 20 points in each of those games. But for the most part, this has been a guy scoring in single digits. Um, the, the, for most of the season. So he, he had, he, and he was great in the second half. He was great in this game for Rhode Island, but I don't know that you can expect him to be that kind of player um, tomorrow. Uh, I mean, Jared Terrell and EC Matthews are the two really good players for Rhode Island. I feel like EC Matthews has been there forever. He's got to be a senior now, right? Please God tell me he's a senior. He's been there for a while. I, think, I feel like I, I think they're, I think they're all yeah, seniors he's a senior. except for Russell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, Terrell and Matthews are the guys that you have to watch out for, um, uh, and, and especially uh, Jared Terrell shooting the three. Um, that you know, your big concern if you're if you're Duke is that uh, Jared Terrell gets really hot and takes a lot of three pointers and and keeps them in the game that way. Because as we've said many times, they just they don't have they don't have the bigs to keep up with us on the boards by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I I don't know how much of that press we're going to see against Rhode Island relative to what we saw against Iona only because Rhode Island's real strength is in, is in the shooting. Uh, and if they're going to win the game, it's going to be with the outside shot. I would expect Duke to want to get back on defense, set up the zone so that they don't allow those shooters because 
if if that's really all you're going for, you're gonna you're gonna play right into the zone, and 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 you're not gonna be able to get good shots. Um, and like you said, Jason, Rhode Island doesn't really have the big men to contend with Duke down low. So I would expect them to try to to try to outshoot the Blue Devils, and uh, hopefully they they don't get super hot because that's gonna really be I think the way that that Rhode Island wants to win this game. Um, Otherwise, it, it'll be a, a fun little reunion of the Hurley family and, and Coach K, right? Because because uh, Danny is the is the coach of of the Rams, and uh, unfortunately, Bobby isn't in the tournament anymore because they lost the other night to Syracuse. But um, I I would imagine that that Bob Hurley Senior will also be at the game. Pretty sure he was there this afternoon. So um, that should be a, a fun one on Saturday. Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you guys, the first day isn't even over yet. We've got a, a good game going right now between Texas Tech and Stephen F. Austin. Um, but among other games in the tournament, was there anything that stood out to you today? Anything fun you wanted to highlight? Donald, I'll give it to you first. Uh, it wasn't fun watching Miami lose. Thanks, Miami. Ooh, sorry about that. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think this this tournament has, has had its has moments already. You know, we've had... Uh, you know, Loyola Chicago, uh, shout out, you know, I, I know they, they beat Miami, but shout out to sister Jean. I don't know if you saw, uh, oh my gosh, with I, love, I love sister Jean. She's, she's so she's fantastic. Look, look, I, 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 this is, that's what, that's what fandom's about, right? That's what I want to, I want to be her when I grow up, like just sitting at, you know, courtside at a Duke game in the tournament, like, yeah, I remember the 2001 team. Like, I, I want to be that. I want to be her when I grow up. So that was that was cool. Shout out to her. But uh, I, I think we've had a lot of, you know, decent moments, decent performances. Um, you know, as you said, there's a there's a good game going on right now. And, and it's it's the greatest day of the year. I know we we talked about this last time. We talk about it a lot. It really is this day and tomorrow, the greatest days of the year, because Everywhere you turn, there is a new chapter written. There is a new shining moment, and your your hope is that you were there to watch it. Yeah, I mean that that Loyola Chicago Miami game I think was the highlight of the day. But Gonzaga and Greensboro was was a really tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, and gave Rhode Memphis Island a, Oklahoma a little was a bit great of a game. run at yeah. the beginning of the game. Jason, you want to you want to tell us about about uh, the Penn Quakers? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually delayed watching the Duke game because I wanted to finish watching Penn in Kansas. Uh, Penn came out early on and, and had a lead. I think they led by about 10 points or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, were, and everything was going right for them. Yeah, I have never seen, leading up to the tournament, I have never heard commentators be so bullish on a 16 seed as I think, you know, analysts on, on multiple networks all over the place were about Penn this week and their game against Kansas. Well, I think it was 538, um, 538 or BPI or one, you know, one of these analytics kind of websites said that this Penn team was the best 16 seed in history. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's absolutely hundred percent true, but uh, it, it, it sure felt like it. Um, but they, say that they, Holy they Cross were, team that almost beat, uh, Kansas back in what was that 2002 or 2003 that team was pretty pretty good and there's been some along the way too I don't know if this is the best team ever but they were pretty good they were very good and and you know it went away from them late but um but you know great for them to have had the lead that they did on on Kansas for a while they were very competitive with them for most of the game 
Um, and, uh, and I know that my son and all the other Penn Quakers were really enjoying it. My son, by the way, goes to, uh, has, has a Spanish class with two of the guys who are on the team, including Caleb Wood, who was the, the reserve, who was having a really big day from three. He, he scored 14 points in this game, um, and had a, had a really, he's a guy, he's got a goatee. He's sort of a redhead with a goatee and, um, uh, so my son sits next to him and is good buddies with him in their in their Spanish class together. Um, I know they would have been partying tonight. I'm sure they're still partying anyway. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a fun fun day all around. It's not over yet. We're uh, we're in into the um, I guess the last of, of about the last set of of games for Thursday, but we still have the whole first day for uh, for the other half of the teams coming up tomorrow. So it's been a lot of fun. I would like to finish the day uh, and, and this quick episode with a little player of the game. Um, and then I think that Jason has a parting shot. So why don't I start with Jason? Give me your player of the game for the Duke-Iona game. So I, I'm going to go with Grayson Allen. Um, you know, it's sort of funny. Of, of all the starters, he had the worst day from the field. He was 6 of 14. Um, he had 16 points. Uh, you know, there were, there were two other guys who scored more points than he did. And and Trevon Duvall, I hope one of you picked Duvall because I thought Duvall was outstanding. But I'm picking Allen because nine assists, one turnover, and I thought he played really, really good defense. To me, those are huge keys for Duke going forward. Nine assists, one turnover from Grayson Allen. I'm giving it to the senior. Grayson Allen was my player of the game. Donald, are you going to follow Jason's uh, recommendation and take Trevon Duvall? Uh, I certainly am because when you, you know, he established confidence in our outside shooting when when Trayvon Duval is hitting four threes and you know everyone was like yes the the lid on the jar is open like that that was you know him in the beginning is what set the tone from outside him hitting those threes a couple were were with hands and faces but a lot of them were very open uh transition looks uh and, and open three-point looks that's what you want to see. And he had a terrific game. I know he had four turnovers, but eight assists, 19 points, four or five from three, seven of 11 overall. Trayvon Duval, my player of the game. All right. Since you guys took the two guards, I will take Marvin Bagley, who was just eating all over the place on, on offense. Um, Iona just had, had nothing they could do to, to prevent him from getting his dunks and, and making lots of good passes. So for his offensive performance today, I'll give it to Marvin Bagley. And we'll finish real quick with some parting shots. Jason, I know you have one. Why don't you go ahead and share it with us? So there was a very interesting article that I read on Yahoo Sports um, uh, it came out uh, a day or two ago. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it or not. Uh, it, it is a look at, they, they looked at four different schools who, who had big, big upsets in the tournament in recent years. Um, the schools they looked at were Middle Tennessee, who in 2016 upset Michigan State as a 15 seed. Um, Georgia State, who upset Baylor in 2015 as a 14 seed. Florida Gulf Coast, who memorably upset Georgetown and, and, and made it all the way to the Sweet 16 as a 15 seed. And then the last one they looked at was Lehigh, who in 2012 upset Duke as a 15 seed. So these were 
um, three 15s and a 14 seed. So, you know, programs that, that most people probably said no way they had a chance of winning and they won those games. And so Yahoo took a look at what winning those games did to those programs and the, to those universities because there was so much extra exposure. And it's a really fascinating article. They talk about things like um, attendance uh, going up next year, which, which obviously translates into dollars. They talk about increased media exposure. Um, uh, Florida Gulf Coast back in 2013, remember they were, what, what were they called? Uh, Dunk something or other. Oh my Dunk God, City. I can't believe a blank on it. Dunk City, that was it, yes. Man, Jason, they you are getting old. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. They estimated that the value of um, of the exposure, the media exposure, the media talking about Florida Gulf Coast in the month of March in 2013 was worth $346 million. That sounds about Think right. about that for a minute. Well, also, $346 Jason, million. That, dollars. Yeah. For that particular case, it, it kept keep in mind that the at that time, I believe the oldest alum of Florida Gulf Coast University was like 43 because the school is not that that old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then even more important. Um, the, also, their their attendance the next year, they, they'd gone from averaging about 2,200 fans per game to averaging more than 4,300 fans per game. So attendance nearly doubled. And then the other thing that stood out, because this is what schools are really about. Remember, in the end, what schools want is more applicants and a better applicant pool. And they found that Florida Gulf Coast, the year after their, their big upset, saw their applications jump by 27%. The year after Georgia State had their upset, applications jumped by 28.5%. I mean, it's, it is really interesting what happened to these schools after their big upset wins in the tournament. The publicity they got, which translates into you know media exposure dollars and increased attendance, and then the biggest thing, an increased applicant pool. Um, and it tells you why at more and more schools, small schools, they are sinking money into coaching salaries, into facilities, into trying to catch lightning in a bottle, the way Florida Gulf Coast, Georgia State, Lehigh, and Middle Tennessee did. Um, because if you catch that lightning in the bottle and you pull off that upset, it is good for the school and it's worth the investment. That's why these schools are spending 10, 20, 30 million dollars on facilities because they think it's worth the investment to go out and, and win that magical game in the NCAA tournament. Really interesting article, guys. Yeah, it's really cool, especially, I mean, just think about it, right? Like when they talk about the NCAA tournament for the rest of time, they're going to, you know, talk about Bryce Drew and Valparaiso. How many people only know of Valparaiso because of that shot, right? Like there's some people who are literally making their college decisions and they're saying, oh, what schools are, are good out there? And they talk about, oh, I should consider Valparaiso. I know about Valparaiso. That guy hit that three-pointer in the NCAA tournament back in like 1996 or whatever it was. They they still talk about those games. Yeah, still, yeah. You know, those type of teams, those schools, those bumps aren't just year by year. Like, for example, when Duke wins a national championship, we get a bump in applicants. We get a huge bump in applicants, but it's usually for one year. This These schools get a, a bump that is seen for decades. And if if they have a, you know, quote-unquote, one shining moment, they're going to get that bump. And I think, you know, again – how many people only know of Florida Gulf Coast because of that Dunk City game? Probably most people, but it also encourages people to consider these schools and their academics, and that's how these schools continue to, to improve. All right. 
So I got uh, guys. I, hold oh, up. Yeah. I, got, I got one <laughs> Go more. Ahead. I got one more thing for y'all. Get, so did either of you see? I posted this on the board. Did either of you see the play in the Harvard Marquette game from the NIT tournament? I did not. No. Okay. All <laughs> right. All so so folks, we're about to have a moment. Uh, we we have a special chat. We can send notes to each other while we're talking. So people out there in in the great. The internet is a crazy place. World. Yes, the internet is a crazy place, yes. So I just sent you all a link. I want you both to tweet on this link, and you're going to see what happened to poor, poor Harvard. So Tommy Amaker's Harvard team is playing Steve Wojciechowski's uh, Marquette team in the National Invitational Tournament, the NIT. Yes, I know they're merely playing for the right to be number 67 or 69 or what, whatever it it's is. 69 we're, now. 69, yes. We're number 69. That's what they're playing for. But – Still, they care about winning this game. So Harvard, Marquette was up big, and Harvard, you just saw it. You just saw it. Let me describe it to people, and then I want your reaction. <laughs> so Harvard is coming back. Harvard is down six with about 30 seconds left in the game. They've got the ball, and they've got a chance to cut it to three. And one, a Harvard guy is on the baseline, and he is wide open. And the referee... The referee is trying to move around to get an angle on the play, and the ref plows into him, knocks him over just as the pass is coming that he would have caught and, and had a wide-open three-pointer. Instead, the pass goes out of bounds, and the ref, the best part about it is the ref is, like, so nonchalant. He just goes, oh, yeah, ball's going that way. You know, he just points like that. The ball's out. I mean, the ref completely takes the poor Harvard player out. Am I – Donald, was it a great? Is it a great highlight or what? It's 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 not even the highlight. It's the reaction of the player that they zoom in on because he's literally like, "What are you doing, ref?" Like he's literally looking at the ref, like, "Yo, man." But the thing about it, and it sucks because it's happened before, right? It's happened where you know someone dribbles off of the referee, and and they consider the referee part of the court, except when he's not on the court, right? So uh, it sucks because it's literally in in the in the official line of the game, it's that the court literally plowed over the guy and caused the turnover, which it sucks, <laughs> right. yes. but there's nothing you can do about it. Man, I feel terrible for that player getting, getting knocked over like that. And the, I mean, what do you think the conversation was like among the referees after the game? Like, well, we did our best, but kind of really blew it right there at the end. It's probably, it's probably we're like, done. We're not. Yeah. We're, we're leaving. Yeah. It's time to go get the car. We're not. We're not, yeah. we're not going to ref any more games thing. in this tournament. <laughs> it, it's a good thing that didn't happen in a more prominent game. Because, um, like, can you imagine that happening to a Kentucky player and what would happen to that referee afterwards? I mean, that would be – Oh, my that, God. That would be terrible. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Harvard, you know – Harvard will continue, it, Harvard will continue uh, in spite of this horrible injustice. They, they will. They will. And, and their graduates will be just fine, I think. Yes, be even, okay. even the basketball players. <laughs> so I, I, I think that's going to do it. Um, we uh, Just a, a quick note, we have, looks like 218 folks who are in the DBR Bracket Challenge. So uh, to remind you again, the winner of the DBR Bracket Challenge that is the, the standard one that we usually post on the boards. I think Donald actually is, is, has been the proprietor of it for a few years now. Um, the winner of that bracket challenge is going to get to join us here on the podcast. Um, so hopefully you submitted a bracket towards that. Um, there are a lot of folks in there. And um, 
as usual, if you want to get in touch with us, um, feel free to email us at dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We'll take questions. We'll take concerns. Uh, of course, you can rate and review us um, over on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Um, we are, we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google Play. We're on SoundCloud. So anywhere that you would like to rate and review us, feel free. Um, and we will talk to you sometime after the Rhode Island game, um, kind of depending on our, on our moods and, and how we feel about how everything's going. But you will hear from us either sometime over the weekend or I would imagine latest probably by early next week. So for Donald Wine and for Jason Evans, I'm Sam Klein. Hopefully we've got five more recaps coming for you here on the Duke Basketball Report. Duke Band, take us home.